Okay. So, is by the way, um, hour anytime. Yeah. <laughs> no, what is it? Isn't yeah. happy hour anytime? Isn't happy hour anytime? Yeah. That yeah. I think that is for those of you who've been watching. That is the best takeaway. Well, there's so many good takeaway quotes from this trial with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, but that's a it's good the one. best. It's the second best <laughs> news out there, other than. Well, okay, let me rephrase that. It's what I'm paying attention to other than the Ukraine war. The Ukraine war is right. terrible news. Yeah. And I pay attention to it pretty religiously. The Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, I have not missed <laughs> a minute and I am not I am not embarrassed to say it. It's the best television I've seen in a decade. This is yeah. it doesn't seem real. It's so fantastic. And you know, from her shitting on his side of the bed to him putting <laughs> cigarettes on her, on her to them, you know, destroying the kitchens and, and recording each secretly recording. Each right. Other. It just makes me feel like I'm, I'm in a good mental state. Yeah. Describing it's like, it's like a box Ukraine is like war. appropriate for cocaine. Yeah. Like that, that could be used for cocaine. Yes. It looks it like a lovely voice. box and like his weird British <laughs> right. Right. phony accent, which is like, phenomenal you know <laughs> he looks like he just came out of a coffin absolutely he looks and she like a looks like you know she could be on trial for like maybe she's killed other she's killed people like right. they they should right. get back together <laughs> i honestly think they should look at each can other in court and go can, can we work this out snapshot? can you yeah. imagine if that's that would be just the best story ever like they decided it's like a after the process of the yeah, trial it's like, a, it's like a really dark rom-com and they're like they look at each other during like the recordings and they're like, I love you. And she's like, I love you too. <laughs> and everyone applauds. I know. I only anyway. shit on your bed. Cause I really love you so much. <laughs> I mean, I, I've gotten into some arguments with exes before <laughs> the shitting on his side of the bed is a level that I've not heard of. I mean, I, I usually think it goes from like really bad fights to, to someone yeah. gets killed. Yeah, the shit yeah. Is like a new level right. in right, right in the inferno. <laughs> She's up there with like the Godfather horse in the head, horse head in the bed. You know, like that's that's the level she's at. I would rather wake up with a horse yeah. severed head in my bed yeah. than a pile of my girlfriend's shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! All right, let's okay. talk about something serious. Okay. Although okay. we could do this all day. We I'm could. Fine. This could be. Until like the trial, and we could we should maybe just start a side podcast, which is just our commentary on the Johnny on Johnny Depp trial. trial. I yeah. guarantee you, someone's doing it. Oh my god! Oh, anyway, yeah. Okay. If you All haven't right. tuned in and you just need a little break from our reality, yeah, and you want to there's, get a there's a lot of the, highlight reels on YouTube. You can do it very. It's easily. fantastic. It's, Two it's hours worth, of your day, you'll, yeah, you'll be happy. It. Yeah. Okay. Now on to more serious things. Um, I thought this week we'd talk about something more domestic because mm -hmm. um, we, I mean, rightfully so, we've been focusing on Ukraine. Yeah. But, um, and it's something that I just had kind of like have a bee in my bonnet about, which is border policy um, and Biden's border policy and how it's going and what has, what, if anything, has or has not changed since Trump. Yep. I'm in. Let's go. This is No Politics at the Dinner Table. I'm Tony Biancasino. And I'm Ahmed Prakash. This week, we're going to be talking about border policy and how far 
Biden has departed from the Trump administration and how far he is not. All right, school us. Okay, so this is something that probably is like under the radar. It's in the news right now because the Supreme Court is taking a case that's going to be kind of a a bellwether case for immigration law. It's called Biden v. Texas, and they're hearing it today. Um, today is t- Tuesday, April 26th, by the way. Um, and so rewind back to 2017 when the Trump administration started this policy. You might remember the term remain in Mexico. Um, and this was yeah. basically a migration policy that said, hey, asylum seekers. So remember, asylum is like a very specific category of moving person, right? That they're basically people who are claiming that they are suffering s- a s- certain categories of persecution, not all persecution, but certain categories of persecution in their home countries that makes it you know, not viable for them to live there. And then because a lot of countries are signatories on international law for asylum, the U.S. is one of them, yep. they can go to other countries and seek asylum, right? So the Trump administration, their way around, you know, not allowing basically South American, Central American, and Mexican migrants from coming because it's very targeted and racialized. They can't say that out loud, right? So what they say is that, okay, we'll take your asylum, but you have to remain in Mexico and apply for it there. You can't go to the border, which is what international law says, and say, hey, here is my case. International law says each person has to be treated on a case-by-case basis. You can't say all asylum seekers from Guatemala are one category, right? right. And just say, we don't, we don't want, you know, because then, then it becomes completely discriminatory, right? It's not case-by-case. Case. So Trump administration put that in. Biden administration, to its credit, in June of 2021, um, said we're repealing it, right? Like, it's, it's wrong. We're going to repeal it. But then a, a judge that was appointed by Trump blocked that. And so that's gone all the way to the Supreme Court. And that's being heard today. Um, it will likely go for the Trump interpretation, um, yeah. and which, which is another way of showing how, you know, people say like elections matter. Um, but here is executive power being kind of taken away by basically judges. Right. Um, and they're going to say, no, 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 that's it's this version, this version only. So I don't want to get too much into like the ins and outs of that. But that's like the one of the broader frameworks. The biggest thing, though, and this is something that's gone totally under the radar, is something called Title 42. Have you ever heard of this Title 42? Yeah. You have okay. Yeah. What 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 association? I don't remember. Do you have? Okay. Okay. Go so ahead. you might have heard. You might be in the it's air. It's like one of those bit. terms out there. Right. It's 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 um, again. It's and it's this week. Some people are talking a little bit about border policy. So in 1944, there was um, something called the Public Health Service Act that was passed, and you know it created a lot. It created the National Cancer Institute. It created the National Institutes of Health. So it did all these good things. But within that law was something called Title 42, which basically said that at the border you can prevent people from coming in in order to prevent the spread of communicable disease. So i.e. COVID, right? So the Trump administration 
um, when there was pushback um, against, you know, that there was this sort of these court cases for Romania, Mexico and all that kind of stuff, they said, okay, we'll have yet another workaround. We'll just say we're going to invoke Title 42, which basically says we're preventing all migrants from coming in and it doesn't matter that you're an asylum seeker. All right. So the U.S. has this and all all other countries technically have the sovereign power and we can you know debate about whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but they have the sovereign power to say you can come in, you can come out, except for under people under asylum law. Got it. Right. Because you can't say or supposedly you can't say if you're fleeing for your life, tough luck. Right. Um, so that was their workaround there. And, and basically they said, okay, we're not saying that we're just going to say we're stopping all migration because of COVID because of COVID. Yeah. And Even it got though this, they don't think it was real at the time. It, exactly. <laughs> right. Right. It's, it's a hoax, but we're going to do this. And then they got the CDC uh, and you know, it lost a lot of credibility here to sort of say that they were signing off on that, even though all of the CDC data said that, you know, migrants aren't like the vectors of particular diseases. You know, it's like the unvaccinated and unmasked people in the country that are the vectors of the disease. Right. Um, but so they but they still put their put their word behind it. Once Biden came into power, one of the things he ran on was getting rid of Title 42, because what Title 42 did was basically sequester tens of thousands of people fleeing from gang warfare, um, some in some cases just sort of grinding poverty, um, and and in many other cases uh, political persecution. Right, so it sort of just left them there uh, to rot on the Mexican side of the border. Um, and Title Forty Two has been invoked over and over again. And the big question is: Here we are, one year and a half into the Biden administration, and it has not been revoked. Now, it's the CDC says it's uh, supposed to sunset this policy on May 23rd, all right, that it's supposed to elapse then. Um, and, you know, critics of the Biden administration, and on this, I would count myself as one of those, would say, first of all, why are you just waiting so long? Um, one of the things that, that, that the Biden administration did they, you know, they created a study group. I had, a, I had, I did have a table talk on this a while ago in last February, um, called uh, "Meet the New Boss," mm -hmm. and in that, they were going to create a study group and say, "Okay, well, let's figure out what our policy changes should be." You know what their policy change was? What? We're going to keep Title Forty Two, but we're going to allow migrant children who come seeking asylum with their families to leave their families and cross the border, but their families have to stay. So effectively, they have de facto family separation. Right. Right. So that. while the Trump <laughs> made it like du jour, this is de facto. Right. Yep. This is the policy. And effectively, the, you know, the maddening thing about it is, is Joe Biden rightfully said while he was campaigning that, you know, this is not the way asylum policy should work. It should be case by case. It should, you know, that every single asylum gets to go to a court and, you know, and make their case about who they are, what they've been through and whether or not asylum law applies in this case. Right. And and effectively what's been going on is that they've got a restrictive migration policy masquerading um, as a public health instrument. Yeah. Right. And um, you won't be surprised that there's a bipartisan bill 
led on the Democratic side by our friend Kirsten Cinema, to extend this even longer. Sure. Um, so, you know, as I don't know, I, I'm someone who has kind of like strong feelings about the state's power to like regulate movement, that it's, it's like a new thing. Um, it's a new thing in like the 19th and 20th century, really, where states come in and say, you can go here and you can go there. Um, whereas before that wasn't the case. And mm -hmm. I just find this to be like, I don't know, an even greater step of state power. Um, that's like kind of vicious. I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on this? Why do you think the Biden administration has held off? Is it like politics? Is it of course. what they actually believe? It's, it's politics. In, in, okay, back it up. If anybody thought Joe Biden was going to come into office and, and be this amazing uh, vehicle to, um, what do you call it, a, a progress, then they're crazy. Um, Joe Biden is a guy who, for the vast majority of his career in politics, has been a center-right Democrat. So I actually think a lot of his policies have been somewhat more left than I was expecting. Um, you're up against the, 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 the Democrats. Okay. Everyone wants to go, Oh my God, the Democrats. Okay. But think about, think about it as a, as a two armies against each other. You've got two traitors within the democratic party that are just outright traitors and not even, they're not even hiding it. They're not really Democrats. They're, they're they're like centrist Republican ish uh, right. that somehow got elected as Democrats. Great, so you, you, they don't really have a majority. It's a majority on paper. They're they're really at the mercy of cinema and mansion. Right. So it's not gonna get done. She's in Arizona, which is John McCain country, which is shockingly went uh, Joe Biden last time. But that's that's just because Trump was so bad. Right, right. But they care about the border, whether or not they're they're ignorant about it or, or you know, in touch with the reality of the situation is not the point. You know, we we do this a lot where we kind of look at politicians as just like you either do it or you don't. It's good or bad. And like it is not a fun job trying to be a politician, especially in today's climate where you're up against Ted Cruz like. I asked someone yesterday, my friend Eric, I asked this, he, he, he does a lot in politics. And I said, if you're in Texas and Ted Cruz is your senator, what do you expect out of him? Like, what are your expectations? Well, I didn't let him answer because I already know the answer. <laughs> it's really nothing. It's just, you know, f Democrats. It's it's God and guns. It's right? God and, and guns. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're not ever gonna let them take. It's stuff that's not even really happening. It's we're gonna make sure you get to keep your guns. We're gonna make sure that poor people don't take your jobs and Mexicans. It's like the lowest crud of issues. It's nothing. It's like the dumbest of the dumb. 
Imagine having to be a Democrat to go in there to one convince some of those people that there are other issues which are really affecting you more than guns and all this stuff. And all he has to do is attack you. And his expectation is so low. That's what you're up against. Um, it's a really shitty position that Democrats are in. It's partly their own fault. I mean, they're not here by by chance. This is a this is decades and multiple administrations of uh, pretty much catering to Wall Street and the rich, and really forgetting about the minorities and poor. So we know why we're here, and history will make this really clear. But they're in a they're, If I were Joe Biden, I wouldn't touch immigration until after the election. That maybe you win. I wouldn't touch it. Right now, you've got the U- the Ukrainian war, a potentially World War III going on, sending billions in aid. You've still got COVID, which is a mess right now. Uh, you've got inflation, which I don't even think people could define that are pissed off about it. You know what I mean? Like, right. they just hear inflation. It's like, yep, oh, my God, yeah. you got gas prices. You've got supply chain shit. You've got a housing market. Nobody can afford to live anywhere. I mean, there are so many things that are for his victory. I'm not saying more important for humanitarian reasons. For his Mm -hmm. victory, immigration is the last thing I would touch. Zero. Because here's why. Look look at New York City. Would we call that one of the more liberal places in the country? Absolutely. Who did they put in as their their, um, mayor? The cop. A former what? Two <laughs> formers. Yeah, yeah, former yeah. Republican, former yeah. cop, because at the root of it, it's it's much harder to be progressive. Being progressive is a really tough job, right? We all have a little hypocrisy in us. Um, so imagine being the president where you need to get votes and being a progressive. You know, this is this is why we love Bernie so much, is he he was pretty unapologetic, but even him with some of the gun stuff and you have to be a politician if you're going to be a politician. You can't, you're not. You're not a prophet. You're not a god. You're here to try to get both sides of the aisle to come to an agreement where they think you're the best option going forward. Unfortunately, in this country, we do have an immigration problem. I don't. I'm not smart enough to figure it out. I have no idea. So I can criticize all day. I don't like the idea that there's kids in cages. That just seems like a really basic bad thing. You know, I, I'm, I'm smart mm-hmm. enough to say no cages for humans, um, but it's really complicated. The wall didn't work. You know, the dumbest thing you could do didn't work. The patrolling doesn't really work. I don't I don't know what the answer is, but I, I do know that I wouldn't touch it if I were the Democrats right now. Wouldn't go yeah, there. well, I mean, I think that's right. And that's effectively their approach, which is they... They are terrified that because Donald Trump ran on border policy, yeah, that should, you know, border apprehensions increase under them, it'll just be like, look, see what happens when Democrats are in control, you know, sure. like that, that that this this is what happens, right? Um, and leave aside that, you know, it is the case that once COVID restrictions go away, all human migration increases. Right. You know, like like the airline industry was almost dead in the water about yeah. a year ago and now, now you can't afford now, to take now, it now it's booming. Right. So, you know, there there's just a sort of general more movement. But all of that is like far too detailed to to put into a political pitch. Right. right. You can't you can't say that. It's just like, are there more or less people at the border? Um, no. Yeah. The 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 thing um, that I find 
like just so annoying um, about the democratic rhetoric yeah, um, is that at least, you know, even Barack Obama, like once he came into power, I disagreed with so many things that he did, Sure, but he often had a rationale that he would explain. And I would disagree with the rationale, but I could, at least I could say there's the rationale, right? You would um, understand the rationale, but disagree yeah, like I, 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 I disagree sure. that you need to use flying robots to kill people across the earth, but I understand, <laughs> but I understand, your, why I understand your rationale. <laughs> I just think you're wrong. Right. Right. Um, with, with the Biden administration and Kamala Harris as a mouthpiece, what they've done is try to stake a moral high ground by using the language of sort of humanitarianism and, oh, isn't it wrong? And isn't what the Trump administration did so terrible? And we're running, we're against all that. This is, quote, not what America is and all that kind of thing. All those sort of, you know, boring tropes, um, but are really like moralizing. Sure. Um, and then they just kept all the policies, basically. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and then they didn't give an explanation as to why, um, but all, but it's pretty clear, like we can all infer like, oh, you're, you're, it's just, just all political, but also part of politics is creating a narrative, right? right? So like, there's no narrative. It's, it's just the that only we're, the, we're the same as Trump basically in, in terms of, um, operationally, right? Like, like we're functionally the same at the border as Trump, but we're not so mean when we talk about it, right? Like, it, the, like the, the policy may be mean, but like, we're like nice guys. So you should like us. Right. Yeah. So, you know, like, we made and, well. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's unfortunate. I'm sorry your baby's starving yeah. and maybe you'll have to separate your toddler. This is the, the problem. This is the problem with where the Democrats have put themselves and they're still playing games. Harris in her n nomination for VP was a game. It was a terrible decision. Yeah. Nobody thought this was a good idea. Right. We, we, she was polling at 2% right. on the stage. And that's who you put as your VP. So now, two years from now, well, a year from now, when they're starting a campaign, who are we rallying behind? How, how many more elections are you going to count on us to vote for the lesser evil? We'll, we'll probably do it again. But Ron DeSantis is much scarier than Donald Trump because he ain't dumb. He's a good politician. I mean, this dude is spanking Disney right now. He is, he knows the law. He is using the law to get whatever he wants to suppress opposition. And he's doing it legally with judges behind him. So that's who you're up against. At some point, there's going to be those swing Democrats that don't really stand for anything that are going to think, hey, he seems all right. You know, Florida's doing okay. Uh, he seems smart. And I don't really like Biden. Biden's 90. I don't right. like Harris because... Nobody likes Harris. Her whole staff is quitting. Which, so we don't even right, have like a... By the way, I have a jump in one second. For yeah. those who don't know, um, Biden did announce yesterday that he intends to run again. Listen, he he's an so to your ego point. <laughs> maniac. That's who these people are. Sure. And, and here's another thing. I'll get off on it. You're going to get me going. But like, this is what the Democrats do. They praise people. Ruth, who, who, who's really responsible for the bullshit going on right now? RB RB three. That's who. Because here's a woman, and I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to be funny right now. When you're like 90 and you have cancer and you're just trying to survive, and you're on the Supreme Court and you refuse to retire, you're not really doing anyone a favor. So she was so celebrated. She does yoga every day. Now, 
you ever hang out with an 80 or 90 year old? They shouldn't really be in charge of the highest court in the world. Um, so like, you know, if she would have retired in Obama's middle of his presidency, the court would be a little more even right now. So this is what we constantly do. We're, 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 we try to ride this fence. And then what happens is your voting base becomes fence riders. So like there's no loyalty because there's nothing to get behind, right? There's nothing to get behind. So they're in a, they're in a big, big world of trouble. Uh, I wouldn't touch immigration. I would be giving out money. I would do anything <laughs> I could. <laughs> I would forgive all the college. I would yeah. just gift gifts, you know, like in, in Rome, in ancient Rome, when the peasants would rise up, they would just give them bread and food, just give Bre them stuff, bread and circus, give them stuff, <laughs> entertain them. What, this is this is this is not this is not a, a, a rocket science. Start forgiving stuff. Start making people's lives a little easier. If you were to forgive all the student debt, inflation is not really that big of a problem anymore for anyone that has announced a student debt. Because now all of those monthly payments that makes up for the bullshit. This is like very easy. Yeah, there's many hard things about running a country, and, and most of them I'd be terrible at. But I could tell yeah. you how to win an election. This is and not how you do it. And this is this is the problem when our president is a 30 plus year senator from Delaware, which is America's in-house tax shelter. Right? 100%. You know, so I've like, got two companies out of there. Exactly. Right. Because so, that's what so, you have to do. Exactly. Yeah, that, yeah, this so, is what you have to do. Yeah. Um, anyway. Okay. Okay. Yes. Um, all right. I I hear you with the politics, right? I think you're dead right about that it would be in a way, political suicide right now um, to act. What I, what is frustrating to me is that they had 15 months before to help people, thousands of people who um, are are dying as they try to cross it's the terrible. border. Um, it's terrible. And, and effectively continuing the policy of child uh, separation at the border in everything but name. Right. Yep. So, yep. um, no, so, I, I, I'm not defending. Yeah. No, I know. I know. I know, you know, know but it's, yeah. yeah, it's that that's the predicament they're in. Yeah. It's yeah. like, do people really give a shit that people are starving at the border right now? Yeah. Do they really care? Yeah. You yeah. tell me. Do yeah. you think they care? I don't think they do. And people are just cold, to, dude. Just people to, are cold. Just, just to expose how racialized this border policy is, this is what people talk about racism without the race, right? They can't use the language of race. But then the Biden administration says, we're going to welcome any and all Ukrainian refugees who want to come here, right? So mm -hmm. that they get asylum, right? They get automatic, they get special status because what? Because they're Europeans, right? Like, like and that, 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 that migration, which also, by the way, should be welcomed, right? They, they, these are also people who are fleeing uh, their lives and, and so on and absolutely should be welcomed. But you can see that there's just this categorization of humanity of some people who are more deserving and others who are less deserving, not based on what their experiences have been, but on their identities. Well, we won't get it. We, I think we've gotten into this before. I, I would kind of disagree with you on that. I think it's not. Yes, if you want to talk about the Afghans versus the Ukrainians, then I think you're spot on. I think there's a difference between Mexi Mexicans crossing the border and Ukrainians and Afghans. We're not in a conflict with Mexico. It's a poor country that's democratically elected and people are un unhappy there. So, you know, we can. You, you there, can... 
So I, I, I understand what you're saying, but yeah. most of the actual migration these days coming is actually not from Mexico. It's people passing through Mexico, fleeing civil war and gang violence sure. in Honduras, sure. Guatemala, El Salvador. And so, and the dirty secret, of course, yeah. is that a lot of Mexican migrants are allowed to cross the border to do cheap labor and oh, come of right back, yeah, yeah, right? So yeah. that's that the, the 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 Mexican migration actually is something that is, in weird ways, kind of, you know, okay. there's like a, there's like a yeah. uh, they look away at that. Uh, well, but it's, it's there you go. Well, then yeah. why hasn't why why don't we have a mouthpiece? Where's Pete Buttigieg? We'll give him a new job. Let's have someone just give us the data and walk us through this. Do it. Do a state of the do. do you, you're the t president of the United States. Turn your TV on. Do a do a special. We'll all tune in and walk us through the numbers. Here I'm going to walk you through the last you know four why? years. You know, you it's know not why? Mexicans. You know this is this is the one thing is that to most Americans. Everybody south of Texas is just Mexican. Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you could that's be from Chile. You're basically Mexican. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. so you're Latino that's, that's, or whatever that's they're the going to call it. Yeah. Right. You know. Um, uh, well, yeah, I, it's not an I don't know what the fix is, dude. Invest in Mexico. I don't know. I yeah. mean, you know, let's pull the let's let's incentivize more. I, I know I know we've tried it in the 90s with Clinton, but. <laughs> What are we going to do? Invest in Mexico, yeah. put more yeah. factories there and pay people like change, change the course of what's going on there. So the lives get a little better. We have so many jobs in Asia that we could put there. Yeah, they, you're right. They tried NAFTA was basically putting more factories there while decimating Mexican agriculture. Yeah. Right? It, so, like that was the. No, the we know that didn't work. Yeah. There's a yeah. way probably to do it and make it work I, again. Not, yeah. not my expertise. I'm sure we can find someone with that, but it's right there. It's a cheaper place to live. So you're automatically going to uh, spend less and we should figure out some tax incentive for companies to go there. I love Mexico. I, we will go to Mexico City all the time. I mean, I'm, I, I haven't been to real Mexico, you know, which is like where people are way poorer, but it's a great place. There's no reason why you can find tons of people that would love to go to Mexico to work. Um, I don't know. That to me seems like the only logical way based off of my ignorance on the whole situation that would be the first starting point for ideas. How do we build their economy? How do we build something here where it makes life a little better? I don't know. I would say, okay, I'm not going to give a long answer to this one, but the short answer is, and I could give it a long answer, but I'm going to give you a short one. I would say most Latin American historians would tell you that for the first hundred, really since the Monroe Doctrine, say, so the, you know, since the 1820s, 1830s, for at least a century, if not more, most of Central America, parts of Mexico, and even parts of South America have been effectively used as exploitation colonies for U.S. corporations okay. um, and created a lot of wealth for U.S. corporations, which, not, which did not redound to the populace, right? right? So that there's the exploitation. And then it's trickle down it's, economics. Yeah, it's, it's trickle down, and as we know, um, you know, you don't you don't get anything from that. Um, and and so what that corporate power and industrialization did was wreck the pre existing economies, which were based sure. around agriculture. Sure, sure. And then you have all these masses of people who are like, oh, so it's our fault. What am I going to do? Right. Yeah. Well, you maybe know, Elon no. Musk can buy South America. Yeah. And fix it. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, people seem to like his ideas. Yeah. Uh, none of which are that good. But yeah. 
Maybe he's got the answer. He seems to be the richest, smartest person in the world. He can just talk about it on his new app that he bought, Twitter. Um, yeah, we're not even on Twitter. No, no. But you know what? I have I, I have an argument here about Twitter. That Twitter only matters, and I probably it's probably not that new of an argument, but it's somebody from who doesn't use it. Um, is that twi- Twitter only matters because media personalities are on Twitter? Yeah, right. Like it's 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 an industry like corporate slack account for them 100 and 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 they just snipe at each other and all that kind of stuff and and all these like you know tempests and teapots and on twitter end up like really just driving media frenzy um and creating more clickbait yeah right like that's that's all it's actually for right it's actually not it's for chaos meaningful Right. Yes. It's not actually meaningful. There's like, no checks and balances. I, I, what I never understood is, and I don't, this may offend some of our listeners, but like, if you have 20 or even 100 followers on Twitter, why are you on there? What are you really getting out of it? No one gives a shit what you have to say. We're, we didn't know what, nobody followed us. We, we left. Like, we're not important in that world. You're, you're correct. Unless you're like, you know, so and so from the New York Times or Fox right. News or, or Vlad, you know, Zelensky. Like, but the new, big news people where you get news anyway are going to pick it up. Right. It's just a, it's an instant way for people to get their little message across. But like, why the common folk are on there, I'll never quite understand. So this is one thing we can kind of end on this, but so everybody probably knows at this point that Elon Musk has, it's been approved the, the, the signature has, hasn't been done yet, but it's been approved by the Twitter board that he's going to, you know, do basically a hostile takeover. They've agreed um, on the, the price. Yeah. Yeah. All the details. Right. So let's, for the sake of argument, say he gets it. And there's a lot of like, um, liberal, uh, outcry that, you know, he's going to create, um, a libertarian wild west out there where there are even fewer rules and it'll be even more kind of gross and, you know, um, vile in terms of the language used and stuff like that. And it's going to be, you know, just a hotbed, all the, basically all the people from parlor are going to come back to Twitter, that kind of thing. Right. Yep. Um, and the, one thing that I read actually in the times today is that, you know, people are talking about, well, where will we go if, you know, if, if this does happen, you know, where are the, you know, like the moral people going to go after Twitter becomes, you know, parlor. Um, and my question is like, why do you need to go? Like, why do you need, why is there this under like this assumption that Twitter needs to exist? <laughs> you know, like, like, like why, why do you need something else? It's like, why don't you just let them have it? And yeah. then step away from it and let Get it off. just be this field of like sickos and just say, we need to step, maybe the, the whole platform itself is the problem, right? Like that's, of course, that not, not get off. If you don't like, you know what, we, we, we don't need to get into it, but you're correct. I, I'm, I'm not mad. He's buying it. I, I hope he buys it and, and destroys it. I, that's the best case scenario. Like if you think, the richest guy in the world, richest human in the world, with all the shit you see going on in the world, with people that I think we're at four million refugees in the Ukraine right now, that that don't have food, don't have a place to live. If you think the richest person in the world, whose priorities are by Twitter, let him have it. And if you don't like it, do what a bunch of smart people like us did: is just delete your account. You're not missing anything. You can just 
watch CNN or read the New York Times. You're not, you don't need to be instant. Nothing's happening to you where you need to be that connected. It's a drug. And if you think your business or this and that, or I need this, you don't. I promise you, unless you're a mega millionaire off of it, you can log off and you're going to have the same amount of money in your bank account. Probably be a little happier. Um, so God bless them. Not mad at them. Do it. That's the that's the country we live in. That's the place where people think it's so cool, where you see these little kids, uh, you know, on trains leaving their fathers and brothers to die. And we're worrying about Elon fucking Musk and Twitter. I'm good. Yeah. Agreed. All right, man. Well, right, that was, we, that was uh, a good, like mutual rant this week. Yeah. Yeah, we did a little rant. We're allowed to rant yeah. once in a while. We're gonna start. Exactly. Have, we'll start booking some exactly. guests soon. Yeah. Uh, I'm uh, about a quarter way through your book, which I'm loving so far. All right. Um, All right. When I finish it, we can set that one up, which will be really yeah. fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. No politics at the dinner table is produced by Amit Prakash. Tunes by our buddy Jeep Baderoy out in Brooklyn. Uh, theme song by Alex Tepper. Uh, please log on to our um, website. Uh, you can get a lot of information there. You can buy Amit's book, which I hope you guys do. And buy as a gift for people. It's a great book. Um, so far, well, I'll, I'll tell you. We can talk about it if it's good. If it sucks, you should tell us. Um, but um, no, seriously, buy the book, support him, um, and uh, tell your friends about us. We uh, we we lose money entertaining you weekly and we're not complaining about it we're good we're having fun but you know it'd be nice if maybe you shared it with a friend <laughs> please do all right we'll see you next week see you next week